somebody rejoice in this building. Oh, this Tuesday night, somebody ought to just throw your hands in the air and open up your mouth and give God a praise tonight. Woo! My, 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 my. Hallelujah. Why don't you shout to the person sitting six feet to your left or your right? Tell them you ought to rejoice in the Lord tonight. Come on, if they ignored you, turn around and find somebody else. Tell them you ought to rejoice. Throw a little gravy on it. Tell them you, you, you ought to rejoice. Hey, listen, there isn't a time in the world we've ever lived where I haven't been more grateful to be in the house of the Lord than I am right now tonight. Amen, somebody? I am so thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Welcome to Tuesday night at the Rock Church. Welcome to all of our guests that are in the building. Amen, amen. So good to have Brother Bronson's father with us here tonight in the house of the Lord. So honored to have you here, sir. Amen. I'm, I, I, all I know is this. With the testimony that's on your two boys' life, God's got something great with your life happening right now. That's all I know. That's all I know. We're so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord. To the rest of our guests that are here tonight, so thankful to have you. To all of our guests that are streaming online with us from around the globe tonight, Rock Church, would you help me make some noise for our online guests tonight? Come on, let's make some noise for some of our saints that are not feeling well, and let's thank God for them being with us tonight. So grateful to have you in the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I feel some anticipation in this building tonight. Anybody else excited about what you feel? Oh, we're so thankful, so thankful for what the Lord is doing. If you want to grab your Bibles, I'm going to hasten to the word of the Lord tonight. And uh, while you're returning to your seat and resting on your feet, see, I'm a poet, y'all didn't know it. You, you can go back and watch that later. But uh, Sunday, how many of you were here Sunday? How many of you were blessed by what the Holy Ghost did in this house on Sunday? My, 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 God visited us in such a powerful way. And when we were finished on Sunday, Shelby was baptized in Jesus' name, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jeff was baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Reuben was baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. Woo! Thank God for revival. Thank God for revival. Amen. Go with me to the book of Philippians tonight. Chapter number four. If you were here last Tuesday, I shared with you a, a little bit of a devotion. And 
there's something uh, a little bit different when a man of God steps to the pulpit and he is preaching from a place of being fed himself. And I have made it a practice and a habit uh, that I do my best to minister from what is ministering to me. I, in general, I do not study the word of the Lord to find a sermon to preach to you. I study the word of the Lord so that the word of God can feed my soul. And it's out of that relationship with the word of God that most general I come to this desk to feed you. You see, there's a, there's a difference in the nutrition that a baby receives from formula versus the milk that is produced from mother's body. The milk that's produced from mother's body has already been ingested and processed by mother. And so when she feeds with that milk that she has already digested, there is a higher level of nutritional value. Amen. And so, is it all right if I just share with you out of my devotion again today? Can, can y'all just, y'all just, I'm, I'm just going to let you in on, on how God's been talking to me today. Is that all right? Amen. Philippians chapter number four, <clears throat> verse number seven. When you have it, somebody shout word up. If you don't have it, somebody say hold up. <laughs> if you don't have it, you can read on the screen behind me. It says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Now, 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 now I got to start thinking about my wife right there. Because isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Y'all yeah, don't remember that old apostolic song? Brother Cornelius back there, woo, fanning himself right now. He's swooning. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. Come on, somebody. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think. Somebody shall think. Think on these things. Verse 7 said, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall, somebody shall keep your hearts and somebody shall minds. For just a few moments tonight, I want to preach to you from this declaration. I will not lose my mind. I wish somebody would put your Bible down and lift your hands and just make that declaration 
in this house tonight. I will. Somebody in the balcony, lift your voice. Somebody in the balcony, lift your voice. I will not lose my mind. Woo! My God, have mercy. You can be seated for just a few moments. The book of Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 7 is frequently quoted. It says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There is an inextricable connection between the existentiality of mankind and his thinking. There is an inseparable quantitative measure of connection between who a person is and the thoughts that they possess. I oftentimes in teaching young people, I will look at them just like this young man right here. And that was good timing. And I will say, what is the difference? Now I need, come here, Brother Matthew, you're going to be an astronaut. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I don't know how astronauts run, but you're an astronaut. So stand next to him. That's how astronauts look right there, folks. What is the difference between you and an astronaut? How many hands you have? How many hands the astronaut have? How many feet you have? How many does the astronaut have? How many ears you have? How many ears you have? One nose, one mouth, two eyes. There's only one difference between you and an astronaut. It's what's inside their mind. Thank you. What is inside the mind has dictated who he is. I know this is simple preaching tonight, but y'all got to grab this. The only difference between you and the fact that you call somebody in a white coat your doctor is what they put inside of their mind. The level they think on is the level they be on. That's not bad Ebonics. Uh, that's just good teaching. Uh, the level they think on uh, is the level uh, that they uh, be uh, on. And so there is uh, an inextricable connection uh, between how you think uh, and who you are. Uh, that's why the devil doesn't have to get you in a car wreck to kill you. Uh, all he has to do uh, is influence uh, your thinking. Satan doesn't have to murder you uh, with a weapon to destroy you. Uh, all he has to do uh, is influence uh, the way uh, that you uh, think. Uh, if he can get inside of your mind, uh, if he can influence your thoughts, uh, if he can affect the way uh, that you think, uh, then it will affect uh, your destiny. Uh, it will affect uh, who you are. Uh, it will affect uh, who you become. Uh, it will limit your potential. It will destroy your realities, your thoughts. As a man thinketh in his heart, 
so is he. That's why you've got to guard your mind. That's why you've got to protect your thinking. That's why you've got to stay vigilant against things that influence your thinking because who you are is connected to how you think. Satan doesn't have to try to wreck your marriage by getting involved. All he has to do is mess with your thinking. He doesn't have to break up your friendships. All he has to do is influence your thinking. He doesn't have to sabotage your job. All he has to do is influence your thinking. If you begin to look in Scripture, it's interesting that the first reference of satanic attack that we find in the book of Genesis chapter number 2 describes for us an animal, a beast that the Bible said was the most subtle beast of the field. It was not a lion, was not a tiger, was not a bear, oh my. I'm trying to get some of y'all to laugh a little bit. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. But it was a serpent. And isn't it interesting that when you think about a serpent. Now, my wife and I were <laughs> taking a romantic ride into the countryside yesterday evening. Right before sunset. Was it yesterday? Sunday, Sunday evening? I don't remember. We were taking a ride and we're looking at all the stuff and all of a sudden as I'm turned around like this driving the, the, the UTV, all I hear is, there's a snake, there's a snake, there's a snake, ah! I, I thought there was a snake in the, in the vehicle. I slammed the brakes and all I saw was my wife lurch almost through the whole front of the vehicle. Somehow, supernaturally, she just stayed right there. She, she, she got worried because there was a, about a six or seven foot black racer that came out on the road right in front of us. When you think about a serpent and the threat that a serpent has against you, you think maybe about a python that would squeeze you to death. A constrictor, a boa constrictor that would wrap itself around you with its, with its muscular uh, body structure and, and suffocate you. Or you think of a venomous snake, maybe the, the cottonmouth or the eastern diamondback snake and how it coils up on you and, and, and it'll strike and shoot venom. And so we find the serpent in the garden. But isn't it interesting that the strength of the serpent wasn't his muscle, muscular uh, ability to strengthen or venom in his teeth. All he had to do uh, to attack mankind was open his mouth and speak. He did not have to bite them. He did not have to wrap himself around Adam and Eve's neck to destroy them. All he had to do uh, to ruin their life uh, was to get their attention. 
All he had to do uh, was get them to open their ear uh, and let him influence uh, their thinking. Uh, let him influence uh, their mind. Uh, how is it that two people uh, dropped in the middle of paradise uh, with the promise of God and everything they could ever imagine? Uh, how in the world uh, would they ever do something uh, that would jeopardize? Uh, I'll tell you why. Uh, because of the mind. Uh, they lost uh, their mind. Uh, they allowed influence to speak to them. Uh, they allowed something to whisper uh, that began to change uh, the way that they uh, thought. I'm telling somebody tonight, uh, Satan doesn't have to tempt you uh, with a whole bunch of crazy things. Uh, all he has to do uh, is get you to listen. Uh, all he has to do uh, is get your attention. Uh, and if he can speak uh, enough deception, uh, if he can speak uh, enough things, uh, if he can find uh, an open door uh, in your mind, uh, he will influence uh, your thinking. And if you lose your mind, you'll eventually lose everything else. Because everything you are, everything in your potential future is connected to your mind. The important thing to understand tonight is that Satan is not your biggest worry. <laughs> Satan is not your biggest problem. Oh, I know, we, we give a lot of credit to the devil. We, we blame him for a lot of things. We, we point him out at every turn in the road. And, and I believe that we should be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But can I tell you tonight uh, that your greatest enemy uh, is not Satan. Uh, your greatest enemy uh, is the enemy uh, in uh, a me. If you pulled out a mirror and looked at it right now, you would be facing the greatest threat to your walk with God. If you pulled out a mirror, I need some help tonight. If you pulled out a mirror and looked at it right now, you would find the darkest opposition to your life. You would find the greatest threat to your walk with God. You would find the greatest enemy of your faith. It's not Satan. It is the human uh, mind. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 7 says uh, that the carnal uh, mind, the carnal mind is enmity against God. When you look that word enmity up, it is transliterated several different ways. In one place, it says that the carnal mind is the enemy of God. Most transliterations will say that the carnal mind is hostile toward God. Point your finger at yourself and say, that's me. Me, hostile toward God? 
Without the Holy Ghost at work in your life, uh, your carnal mind uh, hates uh, the things of God. I can't get no help in the building right now. I got a bunch of angelic hosts in the building. Uh, I said without the Holy Ghost at work uh, in your life, uh, your carnal mind uh, hates the things uh, of God. Uh, your carnal mind, uh, the Bible said uh, that it is not subject uh, unto the law of God. God. Some transliteration said it's not submitted. Others say it will not bow its knee to the law of God. The carnal mind is the enemy of God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's why people who are carnal have nobody in here, I'm just saying. People who are carnal have a difficult time submitting to spiritual principles. People who are carnal have a difficult time bowing their knee to spiritual principles. As a matter of fact, they become hostile towards spiritual They become opposers of spiritual principle. Oh, don't, don't shut this off on your neighbor because you quit praying long enough, uh, your flesh will do the same thing. You quit praying through long enough, uh, your carnal mind uh, will do the same thing with you. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, spiritual principles uh, will start rubbing you the wrong way. Uh, all of a sudden, the idea of submission uh, to spiritual authority uh, will feel like a burden to you. Uh, all of a sudden, holiness uh, won't seem that important to you anymore. All of a sudden, separate, come on somebody, all of a sudden prayer meetings won't be that important and you'll find every reason why you don't have to, why? Because the carnal mind is the enemy of God. Can I tell you that the greatest threat to your thinking is your own carnal mind. You've got to recognize the enemy of your soul. The greatest enemy of your soul is your own mind. And so, if I'm going to be what God wants me to be, and if I'm going to live for God successfully, then I have to learn how to control my thinking. Woo, I'm preaching really good to somebody right now. I know we're not running the aisles, but what I'm preaching right now will help you make it to heaven. You got to learn how to control your thinking. You have to learn how to identify thoughts that want to draw you in a wrong direction. You got to learn how to identify sources of information that will influence you to live a life that is not pleasing uh, to come on if you're going to make it uh, you've got to go I can't lose uh, my mind uh, I can't afford to lose uh, my mind come on somebody in the building uh, come what may uh, I've got to hold on uh, to my mind no 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 don't get angry uh, and give somebody a piece of your mind uh, get a hold uh, of your mind I will uh, not lose uh, my mind I may go 
go through a struggle, but I will not lose my mind. I may be tempted, but I will not lose my mind. I may lose a job, but I won't lose my mind. I need some help in the building. I might lose a car, but I ain't going to lose my mind. I may have to lose some friends, but I will not lose my mind. Somebody shout, I will not lose my mind. going to keep from losing your mind. There are some principles in scripture that you have to grab a hold of. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 3 through 5 says it so powerfully. It says for though we walk in the flesh all of us have to live in this fleshly body All of us have to operate from a place of the human dimension. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Whoa, that's powerful right there. The battle is not in the flesh. The battle is in your mind. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. Uh, The battle is not in the flesh. Uh, The battle uh, is in uh, your uh, mind. Keep on reading. Uh, For the weapons uh, of our warfare uh, are not carnal, uh, but they are mighty uh, through God. For what? Uh, For the pulling down uh, of strongholds, uh, casting down uh, imagination. Where uh, do imaginations reside? They reside in the mind. The weapons of our warfare are there to pull down imaginations. Oh yeah. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. You've got to learn how to go to war for your mind. You've got to learn how to cast down imaginations. You've got to learn how to bring down uh, thoughts uh, that want to exalt themselves above God. Come on, somebody. Uh, If you're going to keep from losing uh, your mind, uh, you better learn how to go to war uh, in your mind. Uh, You better learn how to identify uh, thoughts uh, and imaginations uh, that exalt themselves uh, against God. Bringing into captivity every thought (laughs) unto the obedience of Christ. You know what that tells me? I've got some thoughts that don't want to obey Christ. Got five people going to heaven for being honest. Some of us going to hell on a scholarship for lying. I said, I've got some thoughts, Pastor Hammond, uh, that don't want to obey uh, God. Uh, but if I'm going to keep my mind, uh, I've got to learn uh, how to grab those thoughts uh, and bring them uh, into uh, captivity.
I've taught this before, but for those of you who weren't there when I taught it, let me say it again because redundancy is the key to being a good teacher anyway. In the art of pedagogy, you never teach the lesson once. You teach it over and over again until the student gets it and they can pass the test. But when I look at that word captive, I think of one thing. When we think of things that are held captive, we think of wild animals. They're captive. They're supposed to be, they, they run out wild, but somebody caught them. And somebody cap, captured them. Brought them into captivity. Because the thoughts in your mind, if you allow them to, will run wild. Ooh, I'm getting ready to preach real good here in a minute. If you allow them to, there are thoughts that will begin to run wild in your mind. And before you know it, it becomes out of control. And your mind becomes a place of fear and panic and pandemonium. I ain't preaching nobody in this building, just the internet tonight. And if you're going to keep from losing your mind, you've got to learn how to grab those thoughts and bring them into captivity. You've got to learn how to go into your mind and grab a hold of those thoughts and command your mind. You will not run loose in my thinking. You will not have free reign across my thinking. You are coming in to captivity. I'm putting you in a cage. You will bow your knee to God. You will bow. Come on, somebody. If you're going to keep from losing your mind, you've got to bring every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody in this building. you got to grab a hold of your carnal mind. It'll find every reason to fight you, to oppose you, to lead you in the wrong direction. But I made my mind up. I will not lose my mind. I will not lose my sanity over these thoughts. I will not lose my walk with God over this carnality. I will not lose my mind. I will not lose my mind. And so, you are going to live a life where you make up in your mind, I will not lose my mind. And you've got to learn how to regulate your thoughts. You've got to learn how to regulate the things that you entertain. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Right now, our world is losing its mind. I said our world is losing its mind. And if you're not careful, you'll jump on the crazy train with the entire world and get swept up in the same kind of thinking.
I saw, I saw a video clip one time. Uh, these guys were, were, were proving a social behavior. And they found people walking down the sidewalk, just minding their own business. And they would come running around the corner next to these people. And when they did, I, see, i got to demonstrate this. Come here. Come here there. Okay. Now, now you got to imagine this, okay? You're, you're just right here. And you're going to be walking. Just walk slowly. <whistles> Zippity-doo-dah. Okay? Just walk slowly. What they would do is they would come like this. There was nothing chasing anybody. But fear is contagious. I said fear is contagious. And if you entertain voices of fear long enough, you'll find yourself crawling into a cave. You'll find yourself looking over every... Am I preaching the truth? Now, nobody got to raise their hand in here. But how many of y'all been taking your temperature six times a day? Don't, ra don't raise your hand. Don't raise it. Ain't no sweating. Ain't no fever. Ain't no, honey. Honey, do I, where's, where's the thermometer? Or you'll sit there and you'll be going, <coughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Listen to my chest. Can you? Is there fluid in my lungs? Because fear is contagious. And I'm going to tell you something. You cannot operate in faith and fear at the same time. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this building. I said you cannot operate in faith and fear at the same time. And so you've got to guard yourself against sources of influence concerning fear. You think about the word, one of the ways that you can control not just fear but wrong thinking in your life is to identify and control the sources of information in your life. Talk about closing borders. You got to learn to close the borders of your mind. Legal entrance only. Do you got a visa or a passport? Then, then no, I ain't, you ain't coming in my mind. Come on, somebody. Somebody said, well, you got to be, be open-minded. I don't read that anywhere in the Scripture. The Scripture does say to gird up the loins of your mind. Some people are so open-minded, their brain fell right out of their head. 
you, you've got to identify sources of information. That word information is powerful. Formation means to form something. The process of forming something. We've got all kind of prefixes to the word formation that we could talk about. Conformation. The prefix con means together. To conform means that you take your form and somebody else's form and put them together to make a form. The Bible says be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world impress the influence of its form on you, but be ye transformed. Woo. Transform. The word trans uh, means to go from being this uh, to being something else. Uh, I used to have this form, uh, but now I'm this. Be ye transformed. Uh, How? By the renewing uh, of uh, your minds. Conform. Transform. Deform. When something is deformed, D means to take out of or take away from, to detract. Deform means to pull out of form. It was deformed. It means it was pulled out of its original form. To inform is to exert direct influence upon the form. And that is what information is when you have your mind opened to information it is shaping your thoughts whether you realize it or not every bit of information you take in is having an effect on your thinking and if you're going to keep from losing your mind, uh, you've got to protect uh, the information uh, that you let go uh, into your mind. Because I'm telling you right now, uh, if all of your information all day long uh, is from the world, uh, you're going to have a mind uh, like the world. Uh, you're going to live full of despair, uh, full of fear, uh, full of hatred to God, full of somewhere you got to shut off uh, the influence of the world and make up in your mind, I will not lose my mind. I know people are getting sick, but I'm not going to lose my mind. I know there's a pandemic, but my God is bigger than a pandemic. I will not lose my mind. I know times are tough. I know people are losing their job, but I serve Jehovah. Jireh, God, my provider. You got to make up in your mind. Are you going to let the news inform you or are you going to let the word of the Lord inform you? In one place, the writer said, Who shall believe the report of the Lord? Come on, somebody. You got to make up in your mind. I will not lose my mind. See, 
See, in Philippians, in the text that we read tonight, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. The peace of God will influence your thinking beyond its understanding. Somebody needs to stop and catch that right there. The peace of God will influence your thinking beyond your understanding. What does that mean, preacher? That means you can walk in a place of thinking with God where, where it nothing makes sense. You, you should be panicking, but you're not. You should be crying, but instead you've got joy like a river. Come on, somebody. You, you should be depressed, but I've got peace that passes understanding. I've got something informing my mind that is greater than, oh, come on, somebody. When you really get a hold of God, he will regulate your mind. And even when things are upside down, and even when things don't add up, you can live for God with power. You can live for God with peace. You can live for God with joy. I refuse to crawl under a rug and run afraid and hide in a closet. The peace of God gives me peace that passes all understanding. Oh yeah. I don't have all the answers but I got peace. I don't have all the answers but I've got rest. I don't have all the answers, but I serve a God. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But Philippians 4 tells us that you've got to, you've got to learn how to regulate your thinking. Verse number 8 goes on to say, finally, brethren, here's the final word, whatsoever things are true. There's eight things he begins to list. And he said, before you entertain the thought, run it through this filter. <laughs> First of all, is it true? Now, how many of you know that what's a fact is not always truth? J. Iris, why troublest thou the master? Your daughter is dead. <gasps> Jesus said, fear not, only believe. That's a fact, but I'm the truth. I wish I had an apostolic church. What's a fact is not always the truth. Facts are limited to human knowledge. Facts are limited to human calculations. Facts are limited to human comprehension. There are some principles that cannot be encouched with human calculation, but yet they remain the truth. Oh, I wish I had somebody in the building tonight. 
Science can produce facts. But this is where I find truth. Come on, somebody. If it ain't true, bring the thought into captivity. Close the border on it. Don't entertain it. Whatsoever. I almost thought about just preaching whatever. That's how you got to tell the devil when he starts coming in, whatever. I'm going to do this, whatever. Whatever. What, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. I'm just going to tell you right now, I have spent an incalculable amount of time the past two weeks listening to news, not because I wanted to let it influence me. And I don't recommend that, that that's what you do. I've just tried to stay as connected as I can to what's affecting this church. And I can tell you, I have listened to more dishonesty day in and day out from media. So ever things are honest. If it's not honest, get it out of your mind. Don't let it shape your thinking. I'm teaching somebody how to not lose your mind. Whatsoever things are just. Go home and do a word study on all these. We'll be here all night if I stop and preach every one of them. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things or are of a good report. <laughs> Don't bring me no bad reports. Preach it, that's ignorance. I wish you'd tell that to the 12 spies that came to Moses. And the Bible said he asked them to give a Ten of them saw the good, but chose to focus on the bad. And their thoughts influenced who they were. Two of them saw the bad, but chose to focus on the good. Ten of them died in the wilderness as part of the generation of unbelief. Two of them crossed over into the promised land. Ah, oh, whatsoever things are of a good report. I'm not sticking my head in the sand over the problems. I'm just choosing to focus on my God who is bigger. I wish, I wish you, you give me Bible for that. Thank you for asking. One writer said, Oh, come and magnify the Lord with me. Now, anybody ever used a magnifying glass before? If I have something sitting here 
and I put a magnifying glass over it. Did I make it bigger? Somebody say yes. <laughs> no. It's always been that size. The magnifying glass changes my perception of what I'm looking at. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. You can't make God any bigger than what he is. In him, we live and move and have our being. He's omnipresent. You can't make God bigger. But when you magnify God, you put everything else next to him. And you begin to see that God's bigger than your struggle. God's bigger than the problem. God's bigger than what you've been worrying about. God's bigger than your dilemma. I'm telling somebody... If you're going to live a life of faith, you got to learn how to magnify the Lord. If you're going to keep from losing your mind, you've got to put everything in perspective with the God that you serve. I can't preach all of these. Good report. If there be any virtue... Look that word virtue up when you get home. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. I know that's simple, and most of us missed it, but that's the message right there. Think on these things. You want to keep from losing your mind? Run everything you got rolling around in your head through this filter. And if it doesn't meet the criteria, uh, cast it down. Uh, bring it into captivity. Uh, grab a hold of your thoughts. Uh, grab a hold. Come on, somebody. I will uh, not lose uh, my uh, mind. I'm preaching to some people in this building. Everywhere you go, people are losing their minds right now. God filled you with the Holy Ghost. He did not fill you with the spirit of fear. God did not call you to walk around uh, shaking like everybody else in the world. Uh, that doesn't mean that we don't see giants in the land. Uh, it just means that we understand our God uh, is bigger uh, than the giants uh, that are in the... Come on, am I in the right church? I can't help it. That's a lie from the devil. The fact that he said, think on these things, tells me you are 100% in control of what you think. God, I'm almost done. I told y'all I'm just sharing my devotion. This is what gets me through, got me through today. I got people calling my phone losing their minds. I got people texting me losing their minds. Now, if you sent me a text today, <laughs> I already know how the devil's going to work. Lord, thank you for helping me remember to explain this right here. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to go home and you're going to miss it. Pastor said that I'm losing my mind. And all I did was text him to see him. Don't let the dead. No, no, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but I'm just sharing with you 
you got to learn how to preach to yourself. Before I preach to you, I preached this to myself today. Come on, somebody. If you're going to keep from losing your mind, you got to learn how to preach to yourself. you got to learn how to command yourself. That's why David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. He started in his will. you got to speak to yourself. you got to command yourself. I will. I will not think those kind of thoughts today. If i got to get on my knees for 45 minutes, and get this spirit of fear off of my back then baby I will because I will not lose my mind if I got to fast today until I break this confusion that's trying to overtake me I will not lose my mind and y'all get ready we talked about information, but let me talk for a moment about inspiration. You've got to be intentional about what inspires you. Now, we, we often put the word inspiration in a good context. And there is a good side to inspiration, but there is also a negative connotation to the word inspire. Man, the guy walked in a building and killed 40 people. What happened? He was inspired by. That word inspire is also a compound word. Inspiration. The spiration part of the word deals with breathing. We, we, we often know the, the base word is aspiration. To, to asp aspire to aspiration is is the the process of of breathing aspiration and when somebody wants to kill you they can put their hands around your neck and try to stop you from breathing and we call it asphyxiation there are things that if you are not careful, they will take the breath out of your life from you. There are sources of influence in our world that if you keep exposing yourself, it will cause you to quit breathing. It will choke you uh, until you die. I'm preaching to somebody right now that knows exactly what I'm talking about uh, because you woke up some days uh, and it felt like you could barely uh, breathe. Uh, can I tell you what it was? Uh, it was an attack on your mind. Uh, it was an inspiration. Uh, it was asphyxiation. Uh, it was a source of influence. Uh, that was trying to drain uh, the life out of you. Uh, but my Bible says uh, that the power uh, of life uh, and death uh, is in the tongue. Uh, and so you've got to learn uh, how to speak words uh, of life. Uh, what is it? That's inspiration. Uh, to inspire. Uh, I am going to put breath uh, into this thing. Uh, you got to learn how to talk to yourself. Uh, you got to learn how to get the Word of God uh, inside of your heart. Uh, this is the day uh, that the Lord has made. Uh,
rejoice and be glad. What are you doing? You're inspiring yourself. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. What are you doing? I refuse to lose my mind. I refuse to lose. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. You got to talk to your soul. You got to talk to your mind. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that's within me. Hey, what are you doing? I'm speaking like why? Because I refuse to lose my mind. While everybody's losing theirs, I refuse to lose my mind. Somebody right now ought to throw your hands in the air. Somebody right now ought to throw your hand. You ought to jump out of your pew and run to this altar for about five minutes and lift up your voice and declare, I will not lose my mind. Come on. I dare you right now. I will not lose my mind. Come on, that's it. I will not lose my mind. Somebody speak. Somebody speak. Come on. Come on, before we leave this building, somebody ought to declare Declare it tonight. I have no reason to fear. 